I felt like uh, God was asking me, remind me of something and uh, wanted to share it with all of you uh, during the service here. I'm reminded of a uh, passage of scripture in uh, the Torah where Moses, he calls all the elders of the Israelites to go up to the mountain to meet with God. And uh, the Spirit of God came upon all the elders of the Israelites, and they all started prophesying. And forgive me, I, I haven't read the story for a few months, and I, so I might mess up some of these details, but this is what I'm remembering today. That uh, the, the Spirit of God came upon these elders, but in the town there were a couple of elders who didn't show up. They didn't come to the meeting. They didn't show up. They were invited, but they didn't obey. They didn't come. But what happened was that the Spirit of God came upon them and they started prophesying in the camp. And some of the people came to Moses and said, Hey, these guys are prophesying in the camp. You didn't authorize this. Should we put them to death? And Moses said, No. I wish that all that my all of my people were prophets. I wish that all of God's people were prophets like this. And the thing that God is telling me about this right now, he said, I think I think I'm hearing this right. Those elders who didn't show up to the meeting that started prophesying because the spirit of God came upon them, the spirit of God came upon them too even though they didn't show up because Moses prayed for them. It's not in the scripture, but something happened. He was praying for them. And what God's telling me is there are a lot of people that we care about in this house who are not here today. Maybe they're usually here and they've got a good reason to be away. Maybe they don't even want to be here today. Maybe we have family other places who don't want to be in any kind of church or near any kind of church today. But our God is saying, if we pray for them, my spirit can touch them where they are right now. So I would just invite us to share that with our God, to pray for that with our God, that even if they're not in a house like this or in our house, we just pray that God's spirit is not limited by that. Spirit of God, come and be poured out and all flesh for your glory. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. It's a perfect lead-in to the first of our Advent messages this morning. Thank you, Jeremy, for being obedient. Today and for the next three Sundays following this, for these four Sundays of Advent, we're doing a series of messages entitled Treasures Discovering the riches of Advent. One of my favorite scriptures is found in Isaiah 45, verse 3. It says, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord. I don't know when it was. It was maybe two, three years ago. The Lord, the Lord speaks to me sometimes um, quite... Um, um, directly and strongly. 
About three years ago, I heard the word of the Lord into my life in this way. And he spoke to me and he said, you are no longer to view anyone around you as either a target or a tool. But you are to view them as treasures. And that was one of those He touched me moments when the Lord just, you know, broke open my heart. And I had to repent before Him. For sometimes we view those around us who may not yet know Him as simply targets. Who's your target audience? Or, certainly in the context of any kind of leadership, whether it's in the church or anywhere else, even in our homes or wherever it is, we can begin to view the people around us as tools somehow to be used for the furthering of our purposes and our desires. But Jesus does not view people as either targets or as tools. He views them as treasures. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be taking time to treasure. We're going to treasure the last, the least, the lost. And finally, on Christmas Sunday, treasuring the Lord. This morning I want to share with you about treasuring the last. And if you have a Bible, would you please join me in turning to Matthew chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, please pull out the one that's located right in front of you. And the Gospel of Matthew is the very first book in the New Testament. So it will be found for you, if you're looking at the Pew Bible, it will be found for you on page 681. 681. And we're going to look at a portion of Scripture which I have never preached on in my, what am I at, coming up on 28 years of ministry. Uh, yeah, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> it has been 28 years. I was 53 on Wednesday. Oh, my. So, that's a good thing. And I don't think I've ever preached on the genealogy. And Matthew, but I'm going to attempt to do that today because I believe it's where the Lord directed my heart as it relates to this theme this morning of treasuring the last. Matthew chapter 1 1 says, This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And right away from the beginning, now every, you know, I love stories. I was a literature major when I was in college as well as an economics major. Literature was that which I loved. Economics was because my dad said, what are you going to do with a literature major? Um, so, but I did love economics too, actually. But I love stories. I love stories. They were the best of times, the worst of times, right? 
the tale of two cities. In a hole in the ground, there lived a hobbit. And immediately they're going, well, what's in the ground? What's a hobbit? Every great story begins sort of with a great hook. Matthew begins with a bunch of names. What's that about? Let's talk about that for a moment. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Or it says in the... Um, in, in your translation, say a record of the genealogy of Jesus. I want to submit to you this morning that as we begin this, even this very first verse is going to, because Matthew was primarily speaking to a Jewish audience. And in a Jewish audience, for a Jewish audience, you know, um, it's kind of like, we were, talk, we were talking to Mo and Marla last night, and and we're, when we're, I was talking to them, it was last night for us, and I was talking to them, and they were talking about in, in Lao culture, how um, when you're introduced to somebody, there's two questions that they want to know. The first is, how old are you? Because they need to know where you are in terms of honor and age and respect, right? Because you're, anyone four years older or old, uh, above you is your elder. Okay? So, we need to know who the elders are. And, we also, the second question is, and tell us about your family. They had a great new family photo that they held up and showed me. And, um, when I was explaining to them how to use the iPad. Um, so, all right, anyway. So, um, I'm a Luddite, just so you know. Technological. Okay. Um, but your family. And for a Jewish audience, we want to know about your family. Because that locates us. That will locate you in who you are. You, you do not exist. I mean, Americans, we are, we're odd. We think that we kind of entered the world in a vacuum somehow. And all of this independence, hooey, the technical theological But we're connected into something much larger than ourselves. And so the record of the, gene, uh, the genealogy of Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, immediately begins to set us in a context. The, the record there, it's interesting, the words that he uses, translated up here, this is the genealogy, or in your translation there, the record of the genealogy is a technical word, Biblos Genesius, which is used two other times in Scripture. It's used in, first of all, the book of Genesis, verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created, when the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. This, and then in Genesis 5, 1, this is the written account of Adam's family line. When God created mankind... He made them in the likeness of God. So immediately, Matthew is drawing his readers in. And, and we don't get this because we just read this and say, I've got to get past the boring parts. 
Okay? But immediately, he's drawing us and connecting the story of this new creation with the first creation. And as it unfolds beyond this in the next 16 verses, it reveals the hand of the Creator behind all of the mess and unpredictability of life and its circumstances. Anybody have any mess and unpredictability in your life? So really what we're getting at here is that history is his story. Now, son of Abraham, well, that locates us somewhere. Remember Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Again, in Genesis 22, God reaffirms after the scene with the sacrifice of his son Isaac and and God coming through the last, he says, I'm going to surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. So immediately when we see this son of Abraham, it connects the story of Jesus into the story of the covenant of God with his people. So immediately again, a connection is made in the minds of those to whom Matthew is writing his story. Then we have this son of David. And immediately they're brought into the story in 2 Samuel. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, 2 Samuel 7, 12 and 13, I'm going to raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And again, later in 2 Samuel 22, 50 and 51, David's writing, Therefore I praise you, Lord, among the nations. I'll sing the praise of your name. He gives his king great victories. He shows his unfailing kindness to his anointed, which is the same word for Christ or Messiah. Messiah in the Hebrew, Christ in the Greek to David and his descendants forever. So immediately this connection here is between the story of Jesus and the messianic story of the kingdom. So right from the beginning, I want us to catch this, that this is a story of God's sovereignty. Connecting the new creation story with the original creation story. Connecting... The covenant, the new covenant in the New Testament with the old covenant found through Abraham. Connecting the story of the kingdom and the Messiah and the Christ with the story of Jesus. So immediately in these readers' minds, they are hooked. Are you hooked this morning? Anybody hooked in? You connected in? You following? You with? Let me hear you say amen if you are, please. Okay. All right. Good. Talk to me. All right. Now, from Matthew chapter 1, sorry, that should say Matthew chapter 1, verse 2 to 17, we now have the story of God's people laid out for us in Cliff Notes. 
Okay? That's what it was when I was in college. Now it's what? What are they? What is it? Spark notes. So think of this as the biblical spark notes. Okay? That are going to tell you about the story of God's people. First of all, the dream is conceived. Matthew chapter 1, verses 2 to 6. Let's read it. It's so cool. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Aminabad. Aminadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse, the father of King David. And David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. So here's the the, the dream of God for his people is conceived. We see it in Matthew chapter 1 verses 2 to 6, when there's this ascendancy, there's this this growing from, from Abraham to David, there's this sort of crescendo of God's working in his people and the kingdom being established. Genesis chapter 1, 26 and 27 says, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Psalm 8, 4 and 5, what is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. And here we have this picture because there's this sort of In the midst of the mess and the unpredictability, there's this, like I said earlier, this crescendo of of movement of God's people. There's a dream of a nation. The people of God has been conceived, and it's growing, and it's flourishing, and it's fruitful. God's people, and here's the, the takeaway from this for us this morning. God's people are created for community with the true king. So he's brought these people together into his community, into the kingship of The Lord. And then the dream goes into exile. Chapter chapter 1, verses 7 through 11. Solomon, the father of Rehoboam. Rehoboam, the father of Abijah. Abijah, the father of Asa. Asa, the father of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, the father of Jehoram. Jehoram, the father of Uzziah. Uzziah, the father of Jotham. Jotham, the father of Ahaz. Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah. Hezekiah, the father of Manasseh. Manasseh, the father of Amon. Amon, the father of Josiah. And Josiah, the father of Jeconiah, or also known as Jehoiakim, and his brothers at the time of the exile to Babylon. Here we have the story of God's people, and it's shared and revealed for us. You know, the first part of the story is revealed through the... uh, um, you know, the, the Pentateuch and beyond. and some of the, But now we're into Kings and the Book of Kings and you see this ongoing up and down and up and down. But the up and down is all going, the direction is all down. <laughs> Until ultimately they're taken into exile. But the story of the people of Israel, here's what I want you to understand. The story of God's people of, in, in Israel is our story. 
Because God has a purpose and a plan for your life to bring you into true community with the true king. But then that goes into exile. Because we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. As it says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And therefore God's people, as we see throughout history, have rejected the true king. And because of that, they have been exiled into bondage. And it's just as true today as it was then. You might be not taken away in physical shackles, but I will tell you now, your soul will be shackled if you reject the true king. And your spirit will be shackled. And you will experience exile. That's what hell is. It's being exiled from the king forever. Separated from him. God help us. But the end of the story isn't there. Thank God, because here we have pictured for us the restoration of the dream, starting in verse 12, after the exile to Babylon. After the exile to Babylon. Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel. Shealtiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abud. Abud, the father of Eliakim. Eliakim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliad, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Mathen. Mathen, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Messiah, anointed Savior. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. But go and learn what this means. Jesus says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I've come to call, not, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. The story is restored when the true king comes. And he has come to release his people and restore them into his kingdom community. That's where the story's going, people. That's where the story in your life is going if you'll submit to the King and come to Him. He has purpose and destiny for your life, for our life as a body here, as a house of prayer for all nations, as we seek to radiate life and joy as that house. This is His call to us, and He has made it possible. And embedded right here in the genealogy is that story. It's the story of the dream conceived, the dream in exile, but then the dream restored. This is a year to dream. This is God's dream. It's God's dream. It's God's dream. The last point I want to make this morning. This, in the genealogy, we have a story of, of God's sovereignty and we have the story of God's people But here's where it really comes into focus for us on treasuring the last. Because here we see the story of God's mercy. I love this verse in 1 Corinthians 1. I remind myself of it periodically just to locate my own life. 
Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. As it says in Galatians chapter one, uh, chapter 3, verse 26 to 29, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God. Say all. All, all children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. There's neither male and female, nor is there male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus if you belong to Christ. Then you are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. And here's the marvelous reality that we need to hear and you need to hear afresh in your own soul this morning. God chooses sinful, broken, unlikely, and irregular people like us to fulfill His story. And look through the genealogy. you got Tamar and Rahab and Ruth and Bathsheba. I mean, in a genealogy, traditionally, you know, a female name wouldn't even be mentioned, much less the name of a Moabitess and a Canaanite woman, much less a couple of them for sure being prostitutes. I mean, you know, there's those women that Jim was talking about, who knows? Who knows how God will use them? Who knows how God might use you in all of your irregularity? And all of your unlikeliness and brokenness and sinfulness before you came to Him to receive mercy. God, God's mercy is amazing, people. That's what we remember at this table. His amazing mercy. I don't know. It just... The Bible says it's His kindness that leads us to repentance. And when I think about His kindness, His goodness towards... I don't know what it does to you, but it just crushes my heart. That He would choose us. Wow. And so we come to the great commandment in Matthew 22. And worship team, come on up, please. Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Teacher... He was asked, while well, he's in conversation, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And we're going to close by just that momentary focus on that second part, to love your neighbor as yourself. So I think what God's inviting us in this time of discovering the riches of Advent is He's inviting us to treasure the last. Those both near and far. The one who sits in the cubicle next to you, the one at the next desk at school. The neighbor who lives in the house or in the apartment across and nearby you. The one who drives you just a little bit nuts. 
the neighbor over in Indonesia. The neighbor in Africa. Tomorrow morning, Justin leaves for back to the Congo and he's going to be going there with care and with World Relief to do some, some scouting to find out how workers are in the midst of the civil war there. We just pray right now for protection and provision for him as he goes. He's going to be in some of the places that have been impacted by the civil war going on right now in Congo. Jesus, we just pray for your covering and blessing over our brother as he goes to the last and the least and the lost. God, give him favor and grace. Protect him every step of the journey. Cover him with a cloud of your goodness and grace and protection. And cover his family here as well until he safely returns to join us again. We bless him and bless the work to which you've called him there in Jesus' name. Amen. And um, I'm going to, I don't want to make this, I don't want this to sound too overly strange. And I don't want to, I really genuinely don't want to sort of remove the impact of the call to treasure the last, the neighbor, both near and far. But I do want to remind you that it says, love your neighbor as yourself. Maybe you think, and Norm said something earlier in worship, maybe you think that you're unworthy. You're just a little bit too irregular and unlikely. A little bit too broken. Too much of a mess. But I want you to know this morning that God is the ultimate recycler. And He takes every mess. He is the green God before there was ever green down here. And He knows how to bring beauty out of ashes. The oil of joy from mourning. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness to raise up oaks of righteousness he can take your brokenness and he'll restore your soul your spirit in him and it seems to me that until we experience that there's going to be a certain limitation on our Ability to, to, to release it out there. Oh, we, we must release it at whatever level we can already. We don't have to wait till we're all cleaned up to start treasuring the last. That's for sure. But maybe this morning you just need to take another step in that. Maybe this morning God is convicting you by His Spirit about the last in your lives that you've not been treasuring. And He wants to invite you this Advent right now, this season, to begin to treasure those last ones in your life. If that's the case, I'm going to invite us, well, I'm going to invite us to stand so people can, can move freely. We're going to sing one song and then I'm going to give a benediction. Sorry, you missed kickoff. It's okay. They'll still be playing by the time you get home. All right. But this is a holy moment and I don't want us to miss it. So if you want to join me up here, if the Lord is, is piercing your heart this morning to begin to treasure the things that He treasures and to begin to treasure the last, 
Maybe it's for your own soul this morning that you need to bring before Him. Maybe it's someone around you in your life, at your workplace, at your school, in your neighborhood, wherever it is that God, maybe in your family, maybe the neighbor that lives, that sleeps in the bed next to you is the one that you need to treasure today. Whatever, whoever, maybe it's a people group around the world, somebody that hasn't yet known, like God put in Jim's heart for a people who had no knowledge of Him. Come, come to this altar, please, right now, and join me here, and then I'll pray a benediction. You stood before. And now with hands open, receive the benediction this morning. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, as I stand here before you and before your people, I want to pray, oh God, for the release of your life into each and every life here. May you be filled today afresh with the immeasurable love of God the Father, with the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, with the inexhaustible strength, power, comfort, and hope of the Holy Spirit. Be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours. Sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with the banner of His favor and goodness over your life. Until we gather again either in this house or in our eternal home. I bless you, people of God. May His mercy and goodness chase you down all the days of your life. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hallelujah.